Welcome to the Alliance Bible Church Podcast. We exist to be a healthy community, living and sharing the good news of Jesus with neighbors and nations. But I wanted to share Christmas with you. It's not over yet, right? And so I brought a Christmas present. Here's the title for my message. Play on words a little bit. But here in church, we should be concerned with uh, probably both of those words. The gifts that we receive, that's wonderful. But Jesus has more in mind than just that. He wants to be present. Present, presence. You see how those words work, right? I know when you, when you do open presence, uh, one of the best things about it is watching someone open a present, isn't it? And so I brought a gift here with the hope that you could somehow engage with the opening of a gift by watching someone open it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch this a ways because it's not about me. I wanted to share with you what it would possibly be like if we could somehow see what Jesus would look like when he's opening the gift his father gave him. Well, that's how Christmas started, is that before all of the stuff that we get happened, the father gave his son as a gift, yes. But today I want you to realize that what Jesus received from the Father is so much a, a thing we need to engage with. And, and just a few statements I want to have fresh in your mind. Um, if you look at the scriptures that I have for the message in the note card, that if you want to take notes, John 17 is a prayer that Jesus prays. And in that, um, I'm, I'm not going to have the whole thing laid out for you in a big message. What I want for you to do is just stay with me in the process of opening a gift and listen to what Jesus said in that prayer as if it is in the context of him coming to a gift his father gave him. And what would he say to his father in that process? There's some really uh, important things that I have in this uh, that, that help me relate to this in a special way. One is uh, this book. Well, yes, it's a Bible, but it's not just any Bible. This is a Bible that I received when my mother passed away. And my siblings said, uh, I think you need to have that, Terry. Because my relationship with my mom was such that uh, we shared a lot about this. And there's a place in the Bible, I'll, I'll give you a clue, it's in Zephaniah if you want to try to find it. Um, Zephaniah is one of those books in the Bible that's two pages, so you miss it if you just flip through. But Zephaniah was a place where my mom found a verse. She's like that, my mom. She would dig in the Bible and find treasures and then she would share those treasures with me. That was one of the, the special things about our conversations together is that she would share with me prayers that she was praying for me, scriptures that had meant something to her. And there's one in Zephaniah that I think is very appropriate for what I'm about to do with you and what I hope you will do with me. 
Zephaniah is a book written by a young man who was royalty. He was the son of the son of the son of Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. And so he knew all about politics. He knew all about how things work in the world. And if you read Zephaniah, it's almost like reading the paper today. It's a mess. Everything is broken, and our leaders, if you think the problems that they've created are something big, just wait till you see their solutions. That's where he was at. It's like, we're in a big problem, and in order to fix it, we're going to have even a bigger problem. <clears throat> well, that's what God saw, too. And in the process, he's describing the plan of salvation, and it comes to the last part where the hope part comes. And there's these words, Zephaniah 3, 16. On that day, well, the day he's talking about is salvation. When God decides it's time, today is a day of salvation. This is how you should talk. Ready? Say to Jerusalem, say to Zion, don't be afraid. Don't let your hands hang down. The God, the Lord in your midst, is mighty to save. He will delight over you. His love will comfort you. And he will rejoice over you by singing. So picture the Lord. Coming on the day of salvation, the gift that the Father gave to him, and looking in this gift and saying, I delight in this. I love this. I'm going to sing a song about this. But I ask you, what, what is it? It's hidden here. The revelation is clear. We have received here something of a gift of God. Ah, the notes to my message. That's a good thing. <laughs> here I have the letter. I also have in my, uh, in my notes there a, a reference to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 4. And I will, I will reference those, but I, I kind of have it up here, so I'm not going to turn to it. But I want you to have that available to check it out, see if it's really what, what the Scripture says. The Lord says there that there was a time when he tried to speak to people and he wrote down everything on rocks, the stone tablets, right? And now there's a time when he's going to write in a different place. And he's not going to use a sharp pen and chisel it into rock. The scripture says that he is writing a letter on the hearts of believers. So he's looking for some paper to write on, and that paper is me, you. And he's going to write on there his letter. What's he going to say? Have you ever thought about that? And, and does he even have access to your heart to write that? Did you give it to him? I have those questions, and I, I, I want us to process that as we go through this today, because at the end of, of this, or I should say right in the middle, chapter 4, there's something that really, really engages me in this process, and that is how God is going to write on my heart. 
How does that work? It says these are not letters written in stone, but by the Spirit. Because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. I'm all for that. How's that going to happen? Well, I can say what the Scripture says, and I can still not quite get it. Because in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, verse 6, it says this. The God who said, let there be light. You know that story? I love to tell this story. There's an old hymn like that. You remember that? I love to tell this story. It seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet, one of the lines goes. Or I love to tell the story to those who know it best. Maybe you. Because you, they are hungry and thirsty to hear it just like the rest. The Christmas story. The story of Jesus and his love. And when in scenes of glory I sing a new, new song, it will be that old, old story that I have loved so long. Well, just, let's just stop and sing that, say. I love to tell the story. It will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story. Of Jesus and his love. I hope you never get tired of the story. It's fresh, it's alive. And so as we tell the story, I want you to get this concept. The Lord who said, let there be light, has shined that light into our hearts. To show us the glory of God shining in the face of Jesus. And we have this treasure in jars of clay so that the glory will be all of God and not of us. So let's see if we can't experience a little bit of that. Jesus was delighted about the revelation of the gift. So in John... Chapter 17, you want to turn there. This is what he says to his father. After Jesus had spoken to the disciples on the, the, the night of Passover, remember that? And they all gathered together and he gave them kind of the last words of covenant. This is the covenant in my blood and all of that. You will receive the spirit. He says to his father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him power over all flesh to give eternal life to all those you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth. I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do. This is what I would say, the revelation. Jesus came, and here he is saying, thank you, Father. The time has come for this glory. Let's have it. And so, in a way, it's time. Let's look and see what's in here. And we take out the gift. Here it is. Isn't that exciting? Well, yeah. It's exciting, but what is it? And here's, I think, what Jesus wants to do with us, okay? 
He is excited about receiving this gift. I will build my church, he says. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here's the living stones that I can put together and I can build it. I can make a kingdom out of this. And, and you all look at it and say, huh? Because we don't know. Jesus said this as we continue. Verse 5, chapter 17. Now, Father, glorify me with your presence in the glory which I had with you before the world began. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me. Out of the world, they were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And now they know that everything that you gave me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and they know in the truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Let's talk about this just a little bit. In 2 Corinthians, it brings this idea up. God spoke to the people back in Mount Sinai. Moses went up the mountain. He came down. He had the words of God, and his face was shining. Amazing that that could have happened. And you know how the people responded. You know that story. They said, Moses, you're scaring us. Please cover that up. We'll listen to you, but you're just too much for us. My paraphrase. So he did. Pray for your ministers, will you, please? Because this happens to a minister, gets passionate, wants to share the love of Jesus. I want you to know everything that God has for you. And you say, whoa, whoa, settle down. Pastor, you're too much for us. It's still happening. And as Paul says in that, he said, every time they heard the word of God, they put a veil over it because he said, Paul does, their hearts had unbelief. They just couldn't take it. They couldn't receive it. Unbelief. And we have that problem. We do. We have this problem right here. Veils over our hearts. We, we sang about it a little bit. There's a veil of darkness that Jesus wants to just demolish. There's a veil of the temple that he wants to rip open. There's a veil over our hearts that he wants to take away. And let's see what's inside. And you all say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's my space. No, no, Jesus says, I want to see what I have here. I want to know what I have here. Oh, well, that makes a little more sense. At some point in your life, as a Christian, you must allow this to happen, right? You must let this revelation of God is out there. He loves us. Yes, all that message is true. The glory of Jesus the baby in a manger, all that wonderful story, has to get past the veil of your heart that you're all wrapped up in your bubble wrap, staying safe. And Jesus is all about (coughs) caring for you, loving you. But is he coming to make you safe? Well, we say, I want to be saved. (laughs) Because we already know that is scary out there. We need somebody to protect us. Love us, comfort us, make us feel warm. And yeah, that's true. That's what we want. 
But Jesus is looking at this, and let me remind you, he is mighty to save, absolutely yes, that's what the scripture says, but he is delighting in this gift that the Father gave him. That's what he said. Father, thank you for giving me these people. I have given them your word, and I have given them your name. There's a place in the Old Testament some of you probably know about where God makes this statement. Tell the priests to say these words, and when they say these words, my name will be put on the people, and I will bless them. You know that, right? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you. Be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. That's what the name of God comes from. Well, at least in that process, God said, when the priests say this over the people, I will put my name on them and they will be blessed. Now, in the New Testament, we have an even more personal, a more deep connection to that in adoption. And the scripture says that that's why Jesus came, so that we would be adopted into the family of God. So literally, your last name is your father's name. You are now in his family. If I adopt my kids, they are called Eichelbergers, poor kids. That's their name. That's my name. And that's what, that's what Jesus said to these disciples. It's what he's saying for his church. You all are going to be in the family now. When we're blessed as, as Alliance, we have uh, what John Stumble came up with as, a, as his kind of working phrase for his ministry, and that is we are a Christ-centered, Acts 1-8 family. If you're around the Alliance enough, you kind of hear that phrase. And that family aspect is scriptural. We are adopted as children into the family of God, and we have the name. Let's listen to more of what Jesus says. The revelation is there, and now let's receive it by hearing the word, having our new name. Now we're open a little bit. I'm praying for them, he says, his disciples. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, they are yours. And all of mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in this world. They are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father, so keep them in your name, which you have given them. Keep them in the family, I'll say that way. That they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name. You've given it to me. You hear all these? I gave you, I gave you this. What a, what a delight Jesus is having. I guarded them. None of them was lost but the son of perdition that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. For their sake I consecrate myself, that they may be consecrated in the truth. 
Listen to all the things. I wrote them down. That Jesus received from his Father, and Jesus is the best regifter of all. Because he takes it out, says, Wow, Father, you gave me all this. I want to give it away to them. Listen what he gave. His glory. He said, Father, the glory we had before the world, I want them to have some of that. His name, we talked about that. His joy wants us to have that. His word, we talked about that. His truth. And this idea of sanctification. I sanctified myself so they could be sanctified. It's a big word. What does that mean? Set apart is kind of what, what most people say. That that's what it means, to set apart for a purpose. All right? Look at this. What's the purpose of this? To sit there and be beautiful? That's what it does at my house most of the time because we have electricity and we don't really turn that on. But it's beautiful. And what has to happen, can I just get the next slide? is in order for this to work, it has to be set apart. Because it's not going to work right unless you take it apart and put it together in the way that it's supposed to work. So you know how this is supposed to work. It, it gets put together. All right, well, okay. And in order for this to work, oh, here's the other thing. Wow. You've got to have the flame to make it work. So when I do this, you know something about this lamp, don't you? But it's unseen. You don't see what makes this work, but you know. So do you have to see it to know? Well, that's a big deal right there. Okay. You don't have to see it to know because you know that inside there, that clay pot has some oil. How'd it get there? Whew, wow. Oh, there's another church example. <laughs> Turn it down, pastor. It's too hot. Well, I'll try. There we go. Somebody have a Leatherman? Because my switch, oh, there we go. Got it. Oh, that's better. <laughs> Too much revival could be a dangerous thing. My point being, <clears throat> if that oil was not there, what would have happened to that wick? It would be dry, ashes just like that. It just destroyed There's a place in Corinthians, same, same passage where I'm talking from, where it says that we all are supposed to be the aroma of Christ. This has an aroma, the oil in it, it, it burns nice, gives an aroma. But the scripture says that Jesus leads us in triumph, and the aroma of Christ is to come out from us. To some, it smells like death. But to those of us that are being saved, it smells like life. This is one of the best examples that I have come across for myself to understand what it would mean to be filled with the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians says, 
The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. These are the ways that God writes on our hearts is by the Spirit, not by the letter of the law, but by His Spirit. There is freedom in this. And when we are filled with the Spirit of God, we are set free to burn. If you didn't have that Spirit in you, it would be more like death. And absolutely, I, I feel like this is the truth. I've ministered a long time enough to say, when a person hungers and thirsts after God and wants to do what God wants, there's a place of crisis. That's what the Alliance teaches when we teach about the filling of the Holy Spirit. There's a place of crisis where we say, I could never do this on my own. If I try to do this on my own, I, I will be destroyed. I will be burned up. I will be burned out. I will, I will just end up in ashes. And the truth of the matter is, many of us end up there because the only way that this light is going to really burn and endure is if we are filled with the Spirit. Do you know how that wick works, don't you? It's all dry, and then it gets stuck in the oil, and the oil just saturates up into there, just like flowing, easy. And when you light it on fire, the oil increases. I want to live that way. I want to live like that. Listen to what the rest of the letter Jesus, my letter, prayer, that he's writing on my heart. End of John 17. I do not pray for these only, talking about the 12 disciples, but for those in Hillsborough who will believe in me through their word, or anywhere else for that matter, that they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you've given me, I have given to them, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to behold my glory which you have given me in your love for me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not knew, but I have known you, and these know that you sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. My title, The Presence of Jesus, this is it. The one who said, let there be light, has shined this light into your heart to light it up, to put you on fire, to show the glory of God shining in the face of Jesus. That's who we want to see. But it's the treasure we have in a jar of clay. So you just ordinary you. I'm just ordinary me. My name's Terry, and if you become the best Terry you can possibly be, you know what you get? Terrified. <clears throat> I can only do what I can do, but if I give myself to Jesus and let him light me up, 
there could be something of Jesus shining out of me. A.W. Tozer, one of, our, one of our alliance pillars, right? He says, my light might be small, but it's real. That's what I always preached about, is that kind of reality that someone needs to see Jesus, and it might be you that they're looking at. I want us to take opportunity to engage this simple idea here. That Jesus thanked his father with this prayer. And when you watch someone open a gift and you see what it means to them, hopefully it has impact on you. You say, wow, he really loves that gift. <laughs> this has always got me. I mean, I get emotional about this almost every time. I practice this message, like every time I practice it, I get to this. Jesus loves me. I, I, did you see that in him opening his gift with this prayer? He really, really loves his church. And if we can just transition from this into prayer, this is what I, I, I think is true for Hillsborough, this church here, and anybody else that follows Jesus, is in the statement Jesus made about lamps. Do you remember what he said? If a man has a lamp, he does not put it under a bushel. He doesn't hide it. He takes it out, he lights it up, and he puts it in the middle of a room so that it gives light. Jesus has delight in us. So when you consider what it is that Jesus wants to do with this church, when I consider what God has to do with my life, let, let this be an example. That you would somehow go through this process of saying, I, I see the revelation that God gives me. Jesus came. That's awesome. But Jesus wants me. Okay, I'll receive that. I'll hear his word. I will take his name. I will follow his teachings. And I will allow him to take me apart and fill me up with his spirit. And I will allow him to touch me in such a way that I get set on fire. The one who said, let there be light. That big thing has shined that same powerful, life-giving, eternal life, knowing God into you. What keeps that? from burning in your life. So I'd ask Sam if he come and help us with this. And the worship team will celebrate this as we just allow this present that Jesus opened, that's you and me, the church, to receive his presence in our hearts. And I asked Sam to do this because I'm the, I'm the guest here. This is, this is not something that is here today, gone tomorrow. That's me. This is the gift that Jesus seizes the Hillsborough Alliance Bible Church. He's saying, I think I could light that one up. And I could set it in the center of the room, and I could give light to this neighborhood with that, if they'll let me. So I'm going to ask Sam if he would kind of lead us in that direction. First of all, I just want to uh, say thank you. 
And just to let you know that uh, uh, Terry and I did not collaborate on this. That's right. But our hearts did, our heart of hearts. <clears throat> and uh, this is something I started talking about on our Christmas dinner. And I really didn't get to this part. I don't know why. Probably because it would have been way too long. Uh, but over the last, and, and that was verses, uh, John 17, 20 through 26 has been something I've been focused on for the last two years. But jumping to the last three weeks, Christmas spoke something. new to me and this gets me emotional because it's what Terry was talking about is that we we've got something written on our hearts and I think when we're beginning to think about this idea of redevelopment this is what needs to redevelop right here how do we allow because the flame is present how do we allow it to burn brightly? And each one of you sitting out there right now who knows the Lord and has accepted him has a blueprint on your heart for you specifically of how to shine his light into the room. Different than me, different than Terry, different than my wife, Kathy Evans, different than all the wonderful people we have known who've been here and who have gone, but needed now as such a time as this. So I just want to encourage you in this way, and then I'm going to pray. I've been practicing something for the last year or so, a couple of years, and is that I wake up in the morning, most every morning, and the, one of the first things I do when I awake, if I remember, and sometimes I forget, is to thank Jesus, thank the Holy Spirit for being present in my life, and show me today, this moment, how to let you live in me. And the days that I can really get into that, I'm amazed at how they begin. Do I always end them well? No. <laughs> but I begin them wonderfully. So I would encourage you to do that because it is a moment-by-moment moment thing. We can put that veil over our hearts in a brief second. Or we can open it and let it, the Holy Spirit keep opening and opening and opening. So with that in mind, I just want to pray for us as a family because that's what we are, just like Terry shared in his message. We are a family. And so let me pray. And before I do, one more thing. <laughs> I'm asking us in this prayer to make a clear intention here for yourself. That's all for you. Precious Lord, we just, uh, we fumble about day after day uh, trying to be your children. 
trying to let that new life that you give us every second to blossom within us. Fearful that we might be known by others, fearful that we're disappointing you, fearful that others might condemn us. But Lord, it is your courage that will give us the opportunity to bless this world with a light that can never be put out. And so, Lord, as we go through this next year, I pray, Lord, that this be a year that cannot extinguish the light within us, that cannot allow us to hide it, but that we become so aware of your presence within us that we sing a new song, a new song every single day all the way into the evening, a song of blessing to our children, a song of blessing to our community, and a song of blessing to this dying world. And so, Lord, we just thank you, knowing in advance that if we allow ourselves to abide in you, nothing can ever close our heart again. So we pray this in the precious name, the name of God, the I am that I am. In Christ our Lord, amen. Thank you for checking out the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information, you can visit alliancebible.church.